Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, John Maxwell here, and I'm the author of the new book coming out now, Leader Shift. I hope that you can pick it up. Hey, this is Jason Pfeiffer. And this is Jen Miller, and we are authors of the new novel, Mr. Nice Guy. Hey, this is Brian McRae, founder of Mastermind St. Louis. And if you want to learn how to build relationships instead of just network, if you want to learn how to network with other people in the right way, but I really want you to be sure to tune into the Build Your Network podcast. Build Your Network podcast. Build Your Network podcast by my good friend, Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another topic episode here on the Build Network Podcast. This is these, these episodes are slowly becoming my favorites. I know I've been saying that for a while now, but I get so much great feedback from all of you on that. So if you're listening to this right now, go ahead and screenshot this episode, upload it to your Instagram story, tag me and my fellow guests um, here in this episode. Tag us all over on Instagram. That way we can go over there and say what's up to you over there. And thank you for listening to the show. So today we're going to be talking about the top network Working tips. Again, this is part number two in a series uh, that we just started recently. We'll have one more episode out of this, and then we'll jump into another series afterwards. So top networking tips, part number two, and this is going to be featuring three amazing people as usual, John C. Maxwell, Jason Pfeiffer, and Brian McRae. John Maxwell is the go-to leadership expert in the world. He's literally done trainings for presidents and leaders of countries, the best of the best Fortune 50 companies out there. He is the go-to leadership expert. He's, his books have sold over 30 million copies worldwide. Before I get into this space, he was really the only person that I knew about. So definitely, definitely gives some amazing networking advice. And then uh, Jason Pfeiffer, who is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And this guy is obviously super well-connected and did a lot of networking to get to where he is at. And he's got some great stuff to say. And there's Brian McRae. Brian is a lender actually out in the St. Louis area. And he is somebody that has really mastered the meetup space. And uh, he's created a really great community out there and a meetup that comes out hundreds of people every single month that come out. Most people can't get people to show up to an event once a year. And this guy does it every single month. And so um, all three of these guys come on here and share some amazing, amazing networking advice, their top networking tips. And I can't wait to share that all with you guys. But first, 
really quickly. If you are someone who loves going to events to connect with people in person, I'm excited to announce that my first live event is happening out here in Vegas. It's happening, guys, November 8th through 10th. So to find out more info and to grab your tickets, head to bynlive.com and pick those up today. And if that's not enough, let me give you three huge differentiators just really quickly before we get into the content that make this event the most unique event that you've ever attended. First of all, it is connection-focused instead of content-focused. No nine-hour lecture-style content binge. There will be amazing speakers and great content, yes, but the main focus will be on connecting with everyone else that's there. Number two, it's going to be a really unique venue. So this isn't going to be at another stuffy hotel conference room where you forget what time of day it is because there's no sunlight that ever gets in there. Okay, we rented out the entire first floor of Topgolf, which is right by MGM on the Strip and on the Vegas Strip, which is going to be just an amazing time. We're paying for everybody's lunches and we're even going to pay for you guys to play a little bit of golf while we're there. So I'm really, really good times. I can't wait for that venue. And then lastly, this is one of the biggest things. There's an actual VIP experience. So I don't know about you guys, but one of my biggest pet peeves is when events don't limit VIP tickets. They make them way more expensive than a regular ticket. And then all you get is like a notebook and maybe a better seat or something like that. And uh, remember how I said this event is the 8th through the 10th? Well, the 8th is going to be for VIPs only. So yeah, general admission gets access to do jam-packed amazing days, but VIP gets a full extra day at the beginning at an undisclosed awesome location here in Vegas that I got through a connect of mine. It's not even like available to book for things, but I I, I got, a, got a good connection out here that we're going to have an amazing first day for the VIPs. And it's going to have guest speakers, workshops, planned collaborative activities for people to get to know each other and build real memories and experiences that will actually create real relationships instead of just handing out business cards at a cocktail mixer. So this event will be worth buying the VIP ticket for, I can promise you that. If you don't get one this year, you'll be the first to get one next year because you realize how you missed out on everything. So they are limited to 30 people for VIPs, real exclusivity here. So make sure you go to bynlive.com to grab your ticket today before the early bird pricing is gone. And I will see you out there in Vegas really soon. And now here is Top Networking Tips Part 2 with John Maxwell, Jason Pfeiffer, and Brian McCray. John, I want to take this conversation, so run a little bit out of time here. I want to take the conversation, talk a little bit about relationships. I heard you say this on another show you were on. Maybe it was in a book that you wrote. I forget exactly the source, but you said relationships are the foundation of leadership. This being the Build Your Network podcast, where we talk a lot about relationships, was a really, really intriguing statement to me. So how can we make sure that we are building our relationships the right way? Well, it's a great question, Travis. And uh, the reason I believe that relationships are the foundation of leadership, let's start there, is because leadership is influence. And how do you influence people? You influence people by adding value to people relationally. And uh, if I add value to you on a periodic basis, I'm going to have great influence with you. There's no question about it. And so it's huge when we really grasp this, that the relationships and leadership are, are basically synonymous. In fact, people won't go along with you unless they can get along with you. So when I teach leadership, I teach a lot about relationships. So since this is right in the kind of the main lane for your listeners, let me just teach it as simply as I possibly can that, wow, everything I can basically say about relationships, I, I wrote a book, 25 Ways to Win with People. And I was greatly affected by Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. So I decided several, a few years ago to write a book on kind of a Dale Carnegie book again. So I put in there 25 ways with people, 25 people principles. And what's interesting, Dale Carney's grandson got a hold of me, came to Atlanta where I was at the time, and we had a long lunch. And he brought the book with him, and he laid it down in front of me. He said, this is the closest book to what my grandfather ever wrote. And I was greatly honored because I, I first read that book when I was in the seventh grade. And I took two Dale Carnegie courses by the time I graduated from high school. So relationships are huge for me. So basically, this is it in a nutshell. I, Every person listening right now, I am, you are, Travis, every person listening, they are either a plus or a minus in relationships. They are either giving or they're subtracting. They just are. They're either adding value every day or they're taking value every day. You know, they're either the elevator that's going up and lifting people higher or they're the elevator that's going down and they're taking people down to the basement. Now, this is huge because it starts right there. I mean, I have to ask myself, would people put a plus on me or would they put a minus on me? 
and we have to have a kind of a realistic assessment of ourselves because I think that the people that are minuses that basically kind of subtract value from people or suck air out of them maybe, I think most of those people don't realize it. I do. I, I don't think people get upset. I just like to make everybody miserable today. And yet they get up and they make everybody miserable. And it's because they're not aware. So I have a beautiful teaching. Can I have three minutes on this? And let me just kind of uh, draw this out. Is that okay, Travis, if I have a couple more minutes here? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. Yes, sir, that's perfect. So every day I do five things. And if your listeners will just do these five simple things, your life will relationally change immediately. Not in a month, not in six months, not next year. And just in a week, everything begins to change. I do five things every day. Number one is every day I value people. It starts there. That is totally foundational. I value people. I value you, Travel. I value every one of the listeners. I don't know them, but if I saw them, I would value them because I value people. I value everyone. I value people that like me. I value people that don't like me. I feel I value people that are like me, and I value people that are not like me. I value people. They are God's creation. I value everyone. In fact, because I'm a person of faith, if you went through the Gospels, and if you said you could only pull one thing out about the life of Jesus, just you can only pull one thing out that would describe his life, you would pretty much come up the end of those Gospels and say, Jesus valued people. Just valued it, all of them. In fact, what made the religious community a little bit upset is he seemed to value people they didn't like, you know, sinners a lot more than they thought he should. But he valued everybody. So, and the reason that's essential is if I truly value you, Travis, if I do, then I will look for ways to add value to you. That's just natural. If I don't value you, I won't look for ways or do things that add value to you. It's that simple. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to help people remove the minus, put the plus on their life. So every day I value people, it starts there. That's foundation. Secondly, every day I think of ways to add value to people. I knew I was coming on our, on your broadcast today and, and so on your show. And so I looked over some of the thoughts and things that you had for me and I prepared because I want to, I thought ahead, how can I add value to Travis? How can I add value to this list? So number three, every day I look for ways to add value to people that now I'm with them. I think before I am with you, but now I'm with you and I'm, I've got my antenna up. I'm just listening and watching and observing. And I'm looking for ways that I, what can I do to add value to traps? I, and what we look for is what we see. So I will see ways to add value to you because I'm looking for ways to add value to you. Number four, every day I do things that add value to people every day. I make sure that I do things. In fact, in the morning when I, wake up, I look at my schedule and I say, okay, you know, who am I going to see? What am I going to do? And okay, what, what can I do specifically today to, to add value to people that I come into contact with? And, and every night, the last thing I do is I go through my day again. And I ask the question, who did I add value to today? How did I do that? What did I say? What did I do? If I brought that person up to me, would they look at me and say, John, you really added value to me today? Okay. So every day, every day, I, I value people, think of ways to add value to people, look for ways to add value to people, do things to add value to people. And number five, every day, I encourage others to add value to people. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now with you and with your listeners. I'm encouraging them to just take this little five-step process. I mean, this is so simple. I mean, everybody can do this. There's no one that's disqualified from this. Everyone can do this. But I encourage other people to pass it on, to add value to others also. And it becomes pretty huge after a while. So... Hopefully, relationally, that'll kind of help your listeners a little bit, get, a, get some practical handles on becoming a plus instead of a minus in their life. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and 
uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Love that. So much value there just in that, just in those five steps. And I love so much of your teachings, John, because of how practical you get. A lot of people stay up in the clouds and super philosophical, motivational. There's nothing wrong with that. I just really like the practicality. So really thankful for that. One quick question on this networking topic, because this is something that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. John, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Okay. I love this question, by the way. I think it's a great question, Travis. I see why you would ask it. Here's what I believe. I believe who you know will not help you a lot if you don't know much. So when people say, well, it's who you know, it's not what you know. I say, well, yeah, it'll get you a a handshake and it'll get you a picture, but it won't get you a second meeting with that person. Gets you the opportunity. Yeah. So if you want to, if you just want to be a fan and show the picture, then who you know is more important. Now, It's also true that I know what you know is essential, but the way you maximize and compound what you know is by who you know. So the reason I think it's an interesting question is when I have times with people, I ask them two questions. What are you learning right now that I should know? And who do you know that I should? I ask them both those questions. What are you learning right now that that I should know? And who do you know that I should know? So it's not either. I think it's a chicken and egg question, to be honest with you. But I do know this. In a kind of a media-saturated social media kind of fakey kind of culture that we live in. It's kind of all who you know and where you've been and, and it won't sustain you. It really won't. I had the opportunity. I asked the question one time to a, a principal in Orlando, Florida, who do you know that I should know? And he said, well, I know John Wooden and you should know him. And two weeks later, I'm on a plane with Jeff going out to see John Wooden. And in those two weeks, I read every book that he had written. And I took, I wrote questions out of those books and I had over five pages of legal page questions to ask him. And the reason I did that is is I knew I got to meet him the first time because Jeff knew him. It was, who do you know? But I knew that if I wanted to have him as a mentor, meet him a second time, I had to get his attention. So we're having breakfast, the three of us, and just small talk stuff. And finally he said, John, he said, do you have any questions you'd like to ask me? I said, well, yes, I do coach if you don't mind. I reached in my briefcase, I pulled out my legal pad, and I put it on the breakfast table. And he looked over it, and he saw that page full of questions. He said, oh, my gosh. He said, you've got a whole page of questions for me. I said, well, not really. And I turned it over, and I showed him the second page, and then I turned it over the third page, the fourth page, the fifth page. I went to the sixth page about halfway down. And he looked at me, and he said, he said, oh, my gosh, you came totally prepared, didn't you? I said, I did. And I don't want to waste your time. And I'm going to ask you questions as long as you let me ask questions. We were supposed to have like a two-hour meeting there and that thing. We started about 8.30 that morning. I left at 4 o'clock that afternoon. And his his last words to me were, John, we only got through page one. You still got four and a half pages to ask me. He said, why don't you come back and we'll continue it on. And that began a 10-year relationship with him. Now, if I would have treated him like a fan, I wouldn't have worried about what I know. I would have just been all into who he was. Let's take a picture so I can go around and show everybody I was with John Wood. But I wanted to have a relationship. The question is, do you want to have fans or do you want to have friends? Yeah, that is the perfect answer to that question. I appreciate you taking the time to tell that story too. And John Wooden is one of the greatest of all time in in, in that realm. I'm sure that was a, a fantastic meeting. What's up, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite podcasting app, Himalaya. If you're not listening to podcasts on this new app, you're definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your app store or Google Play store and download Himalaya today and thank me later. 
This episode of the show is brought to you by Rothy's, and this one is for all of the ladies out there. Rothy's is a company that makes stylish shoes for women out of recycled plastic water bottles. And from what my wife says, they're actually really comfortable and they're machine washable because they're recycled plastic. So look, typically I wouldn't bring a product like this on the show that I don't personally use, but since my wife does, and since they've diverted over 25 million plastic bottles from landfills, I felt like it was something that I just kind of had to tell you all about. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks, and they sell out constantly. Plus, they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts, or so I'm told anyway. <laughs> You'll discover quickly why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges, so there is literally no risk. No worries, no reason not to try. Check out all of the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash Travis. That's rothys.com slash Travis. And I know this is mainly for all the ladies out there, but if you're a guy and you're listening to this show and you have a lady in your life, promise you this is going to make a fantastic gift. So head over to rothys.com slash Travis. That's awesome. That's awesome. It seems like you guys have a fantastic thing going on and I, I want to acknowledge you guys for that. So please, please, please continue putting out all the good stuff that you do into the world. Let's go ahead and shift the conversation a little bit. This is the Build Your Network podcast, and we do talk a lot about connections and how to go about building a network of people around you that will actually push you to be better in your life. Like Jim Rohn always said, you're average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So that's kind of what the show is built on, like really trying to show people that if you're not around people that are making you better, you got to change your circle if you really want to get to that next level. And it seems like you guys have done a fantastic job of doing that. So Jason, coming into the magazine world and starting with men's health and then working your way up, working your way up, working your way up, and now to be editor-in-chief at Entrepreneur Magazine, can you talk to me about how important it was to cultivate good, strong relationships during that period of time? Oh, it was critically important. I can't stress it enough. And I thought, well, I, you know, it is funny. I mean, I'm trying to think of it, whether how conscious I was of it. Well, here's what I knew. Going into, and, I, and actually I would back it up to Boston Magazine, which was really the first time that I had access to what I felt like was a network of peers who were just as driven as me. Hmm, Prior to that, at these newspapers, I was encountering people who, you know, I think either you know, they may not have made a, wanted to make a career of it, or they were very happy where they were, right? Hmm. And which is fine, but it wasn't my stop. And then I got to Boston Magazine, and it was the first time that I was surrounded by people who were also young and hungry and ready to just bust ass. And like the only reason that they were at Boston Magazine was to bust ass and get yeah. out of there, frankly, and get onto something else. And I was, I cannot recall if I was like searching for that before I found it. But by the when I found it, I definitely, it was like nourishing. I mean, I was so relieved to have that group. And having that group made me want more of that group, you know? And I, and I remember, yeah. I remember being living in Boston and noticing how all the writers who are at the cool big magazines, the New York magazine writers and the GQ writers, and the New Yorker, they all seemed to know each other. You know? <laughs> and they were, and they like, they were all communicating with each other on social media or blogs before that. And, and it just seemed like something was happening that they all, they were all, they had all connected. And I was really I was jealous of that and also really thankful for the few friends that I had who we hadn't yet gone on to anything big, but I knew that we would. Yeah. And then as I progressed, I found that I related most to people who shared that drive and ambition, that the people who I wanted to spend my time with, who made me feel better about myself and who I loved. I love to associate with people who I thought were doing amazing work. These were people who were just just as driven as me. And, you know, and I, and I count Jen among that. I mean, that very much was the initial spark of our relationship. And it drove me to build real, like this was not a networking thing. I don't really like networking. I don't go handing out business cards, right? But what it drove me to every time somebody said, hey, I'm going to go out to, you know, get some drinks with friends who work at this magazine or whatever. I'm like, I am in. And we, Jen and I, uh, we're very, very regulars at, and this is in the book too. There are these things that we call, we call them booze events. <laughs> They're basically like some publicist for Johnny Walker or what, you know, whatever, some brands will, they throw these parties all the time. I mean, you know, yeah. you get onto the invite lists and you could fill your weeks with them. And what are they for? It's not clear. Like they just get a bunch of journalists into a room and they give them liquor and food and, and like God knows what the point is. But <laughs> like we, we all deal. Stand, 
It's a great deal. <laughs> great we all deal. stand. Yeah, it's a great deal. We all stand around just being like, <laughs> "Why are we here? Like, why does?" But we went to those pretty much. It was like every night for years, and I did that. I mean, for me, it was one. It was because it was fun. Is you know access to these cool event spaces in New York and all that stuff. And and two, also especially when you're on a small journalism budget, uh, having access to free food and booze. And stuff. <laughs> right. But also the number of people that I met there was so huge. Like yeah. I just kept meeting other people in my field and people who you know some I would stay in touch with and become friends with, and some I would just we would stay in touch by email or follow each other on Twitter or whatever. But like whatever it was, I was just gathering that thing until I got to the point where I had the thing that I saw everyone else have when I was in Boston. Or like I knew that I, Jen and I can pick up the New York Times on basically any day and see names of people that we that we're friends with. That is yeah. so cool. Like that that never gets old. It's amazing. So <laughs> amazing to have that. Those people, they inspire us and they make us want to keep up with them. You know, like it feels like, I don't feel like it's a competition. I feel like we're all, we're all just motivating each other. And I never feel competitive with those people. I just feel like, I feel like amazed and, and thrilled that they're my friends. Yeah. Yeah. So two things I want to bring out on that. One of them is the idea that, so we all can agree that your environment is what shapes you. So the problem is not a lot of people will take responsibility and say that I decide what my environment is, right? So my environment is what makes me who I am, but I am the person who decides what my environment is. So this is something I want to acknowledge you for, Jason, because this is something that you did, right? So you were in, an, in these local newspapers and you were in an environment that did not make you better, did not support your ambition or your drive. And so instead of just sitting there and complaining and being like, well, this is never going to work. I should just do something different and blah, 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 whatever all the other excuses that everybody else tells themselves, you decided to change that environment. You get into the Boston Magazine and now you're in an environment that's actually pushing you, making you better. And you're like, wow, this is addicting. Like, this is exactly what I want. And then all you do is continue to up that environment, up that environment. And then when you get to New York and and then you and Jen find these events to go to every single night and with all these other journalists, you could have decided to stay home and Netflix and chill, right? So you could have done those things, but you decided that environment is what shapes me to be the person that I am. And so I know that I'm in control of that and you put yourself in a position to succeed in, in, in those environments. So I think that that's, that's really important. But you also touched on something else that I want to talk on for a second, because this is the reason that this show exists. What you said at the very beginning of that whole story about how like you don't like networking, like you don't want to go hound at a bunch of business cards. You just want to like go hang out, build some relationships. That is like my message. Like, like when you said it, it got me all fired up because like, that's what I'm all about is like getting people to stop thinking about it in such a transactional way. Like, look, networking is the same as going out and just building relationships. The problem is most people don't look at it that way. They go, oh yeah, I go network with a bunch of business cards with business colleagues. And then I go to the bar and build relationships with people. And it's like, no, no, no. Stop putting them in different departments. Like they're the same thing. And the reason that you guys can pick up a copy of the New York Times and flip through and be like, I know them, I know them, I know them, I know them is because you're building real genuine relationships. You don't just go to a cocktail party and throw up a bunch of business cards all over everybody and hope you secure some business from it. So fantastic, fantastic stuff. Jen, can you talk about how important, how crucial it's been for you to constantly be worrying about who you surround yourself with? Absolutely. So I've got two, you know, two great kind of networking stories that, you know, directly show how directly illustrate what you just said that what a lot of people think of as networking isn't actually, (laughs) isn't actually networking. So so it's networking from like the (laughs) seventies. Yeah. So when I was in 2006, I, so I was living in New York, I'd kind of just come to New York and I, you know, I was interested in writing fiction, but I hadn't really, you know, seriously embarked on it. And so I signed up for a novel and the intro to novel writing at NYU, it was a continuing education class. It was me and like, you know, a bunch of middle-aged professionals who were coming after work. And one of the, not everybody was middle-aged, but there were a bunch of them. And one of the people, well, so then a bunch, a bunch of the women in the class, you know, we all kind of liked what we were, the others were doing. And so then we decided after the class ended to continue having a small writing workshop just with the six of us. Well, one of those women, it turned out, was a literary agent who also was just writing for fun. And Mm. she ended up being my literary agent. And, you know, I didn't even know until halfway through that she was an agent. And in fact, it was actually a couple, you know, after this writing class happened, we kind of lost touch for a little while. And then I ran into her. I was, 
I was in grad school and I went to a reading and it turned out a literary reading. And it turned out that she was the agent for the person who was reading. <laughs> and, and we, you know, we connected. It had been in about a year and a half. And she said, Hey, are you still working on that novel? And I said, yeah. And she's like, let's get coffee and meet and talk about it. So that was how I ended up with my agent who sold my first two novels. And again, it was all, you know, yes, there was some serendipity, but it was also just kind of following through on those developing relationship. Because right. when you create that network, when you're surrounding yourself with people who are in your field or striving, you know, you guys are all kind of striving toward the same thing. Like it builds upon each other. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. agent that Jason and I worked with for Mr. Nice Guy happened in the craziest way. We were coming back from, we were supposed to be flying from London to New York. Our flight got canceled. We were on a bus to the hotel and ended up talking with a guy, a friendly looking guy who was sitting on the bus. And it turned out that we both lived in the same neighborhood on the same street and we were all writers. And so we ended up becoming friends with him. He writes children's books. So like not even the same type of thing, but we made sure to follow up with him. When we got back to New York, we started hanging out. And then literally like two years later, when we were looking for an agent for our book, you know, we were just talking to him about it. And he's like, oh, there's a woman at my agency who I think would be perfect for your book. Wow. I'll make the connection. That's and, that's, crazy. and that's how that happened. You know, that's why you guys are good at this though, right? Because most people look at networking like we're talking about. They look at it very transactional and they always have an agenda, right? Which is why they're not actually good at networking because they only go to events where there's potential to actually get business from somebody or get a job from somebody or get something from somebody. And then when they're not in that situation, they don't treat everybody else with the respect that they would treat those people at that event, right? So they wouldn't have started talking to the guy on the bus next to them because they don't care because they don't think that guy has any sort of transactional value to bring to them. And then he turns out didn't have any transactional value to bring to you guys until like two years later later, randomly, when you were mentioning the fact that you were writing a book. So like, that's the whole idea of this entire podcast is get people to stop thinking so much about here's my business card, here's my business card, here's my business card, and start thinking about people and building real, genuine relationships with actual people. So we're coming close to the end here. I want to just get one quick tip from both of you guys on how somebody listening to this right now would be able to just be a little bit better at this whole idea of building relationships. Just one tip, something that they can implement into their life immediately. What would that one tip be? We'll start with Jen and then we'll go to Jason. So I would say it's really important to keep following up with people. You know, let's say there's people in your life who may not be your closest friends in the world, but you, you know, encounter them through some kind of social situation or some kind of event. Just, you know, every once in a while, drop them a line, ask them how they're doing, check up, get a cup of coffee. It'll just kind of broaden. It it helps to broaden your worldview. It helps to broaden your network. And you really just don't know how, you know, down the road you might need something or be looking for something. And then remember, oh yeah, that person, you know, last time we met up or we're chatting, we were talking about this, like, you know, they might, you know, maybe they'll have some, have some advice for me. And then when you call that person up, it won't be totally out of the blue because you already will have established a connection with them. Yeah. Love it. Love it. You got to build the well before you're thirsty. 100%. Jason. So this builds off of what Jen said a little bit. So I, uh, here's my theory on life. (laughs) My theory on life is that the number one thing that everybody wants is to feel heard. Number one thing, everybody wants to feel heard. And the more that you, you enable people to feel heard, that you show them that you heard them, the more they love you and feel attached to you and, you know, and ultimately want to help you, which is not to say that you should do it just because you're looking for help, right? Like that already defeats the purpose. But, Correct, right. but here's, how, here's what I do. Here's, how I, here's one way in which I, I build that into my days. You know, we have a lot of friends and they produce a lot of work. And it would be impossible, frankly, for us to kind of consume and watch everything that everybody's doing. But I try my damnedest to like read or listen to or whatever, the stuff that seems to matter most to our friends. You know, if our friend wrote an article and they tweet it and they seem to be really proud of it, I read it and then I email them and I tell them it was awesome. If they showed up on a TV segment and they put it on Facebook, I watch it and I 
text them and I say it was awesome. Yeah, I yeah. love, and I do that because I know it makes them feel good, but also frankly, because I'm really proud of my friends. Like I'm genuinely proud of my friends and I want to feel supportive of them. But I know that for me, when I put something out into the world and a friend of mine sees it and spends the time with it and then tells me that they like it, that makes me feel really good. And I want to do that for other people. And I realize that most of your listeners may not be in a career in which their friends are kind of producing work that way, but your Mm -hmm. friends are doing something, right? They're whatever it is, they're they're involved in some organization or they got a promotion and they put it on LinkedIn, whatever the hell it is, people are always doing things that they're proud of. And the more that you can acknowledge that and find some way to be a part of it, even just by celebrating it, the more people just feel close to you. And then, yeah. And then like, again, you don't do this because there's some ROI, but frankly, two years later, when you're looking for a book agent and then that person happens to have the idea for the book (laughs) agent, that's really useful. Right, right, (laughs) exactly. So you get it, you know, you should get it both. You should get it because you really like the person and you really like like supporting people, but also because when you have a community that supports each other, good things happen. Yeah, totally. I love it. What I'm trying to do is trying to get people that are in a similar boat that I'm in as far as like, they haven't really experienced anything like what you've gone through to not just survive the down economy, but to thrive in the down economy, which it sounds like is something that you definitely did during one of the worst crashes in American history in the industry that felt it the most. I would even argue that mortgages felt it more than the real estate industry. Like, I mean, I know that they're all in the same industry, quote unquote, but as far as like, I think that a mortgage broker probably felt it more than a real estate agent did because of all the different rules and regulations and TILA and RESPA and all those other things put into effect at that time. So can you talk a little bit about how you were able to thrive in the down economy in one of the, you know, worst times and one of the worst industries to be in? Well, we did a lot of honestly. So somebody once asked me, said if you had a th- if you were starting in business again and you had a thousand bucks to spend, what would you spend it on? Travis, in my opinion, I would buy a database. I'd buy the best CRM that I could afford because I wanted to put my connections. When I meet somebody, I want to know who I met and I track where all my referral partners come, where all my referrals come from. Mm-hmm. So if I want to pick up the phone and so I know how I got connected to you, it was Scott Beebe. So if you were going in my database on the mortgage side, I would know who connected. So the point is I'd spend it on a database. And the reason for that is because when I got to 2000, when 2009, 10 and 11 hit, I had six, seven years worth of clients, you know, every networking event that I got that I went and I got a business card. These people went into my database and I would send them an email and a handwritten note just so that it wasn't foreign if they got an email from me. Hmm. I can't say that I connected with all of them, but I still continue to do I would send something called a success story. I would say, hey, here's what's going on. And here's how we help the client do this. Here's the problem the client had. Here's what we did to help. Here's the situation. And we just started to craft that. And that absolutely blew. Every time I would send that out, my pipeline would go increase by probably 15 to 25%. Hmm. It was just crazy. But it was doing a lot of database marketing and just staying in touch, working what, what they say in the industry is working your database. Problem is most people don't, they don't have a database. And if they do have a database, they don't collect their connections and put them in there. So. Hmm. Anyway, so a lot of it was literally building that network. There's no question. Hmm. The database was my network. Right, right. So that is, I've given a few tips to people, like when when people have asked me that question, like, well, how do you plan on doing it? Like, how do you plan on, you know, thriving and stuff in the down economy? And I say, first of all, I want cash. Like I want money. I want liquid cash to be able to have buying power during that time. But I the other thing that I say is like, so work on building up your cash reserves, but also I say work on building up your relationship reserves because no question. a down economy can wreck your bank account and it can wreck your IRA and your 401k and your mutual funds and all of that stuff. But the one thing it can't take away from you is your relationships. How crucial is it for people to understand this? Travis, it is the, in my opinion, it's the number one thing. If it hadn't been for that, because most of my business, again, my business was all referred to me. Now I did have a database of past clients, which was very beneficial. But the thing that I had was relationships. There's a financial advisor that I had gotten to know. And we are, I mean, uh, this guy has been probably responsible for probably about 15% of my business. If I were to go back and take a look at it, one guy. Wow. Wow. And so the network is it. And then that the interesting part, it was, to me, it was so important Travis, that, and I think I may have shared with you, I've been running an event. Tomorrow is going to be our seven-year anniversary of an event that I started in 2011. Wow. Wow. So, so, so 
So from 2011 to 2018, you've been running this, this like meetup group, right? Yep. How Um, many people were in it when you first started and how many people go to it now? Well, there was a a guy by the name of Michael Mayer who wrote a book called Seven Levels of Communication. I spoke to him a couple of times and actually went to one of his events and he wrote a great book. The book is awesome. And it had talked about many of the concepts that I shared with you about how I, and he had encapsulated it so well. And it just tapped into a passion for me. I'm like, I need to share this. He encouraged me to start an event. I got named Mastermind St. Louis, August of 2011. We had maybe 15 people. Hmm. And the entire purpose of the event, I mean, honestly, I was busier than I could have imagined at that point in time. But there was just this heart of wanting to provide some hope to some professionals who were struggling, real estate, there were other mortgage professionals. And I just love teaching. I'm an encourager and a teacher. (laughs) I love doing it. So when Michael said, hey, you ought to start an event, I'm like, boom. So we spent some time talking about Michael's book for a while and just really trying to help people build a relationship-based business. And by helping others, by thinking of others first, there's, you've probably, I can tell if you haven't heard it, you're going to love the book, Give and Take by Adam Grant. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of the best, man. Oh, it is phenomenal. And so what we try to do is just build a culture of, you know, not the givers at the bottom of the success ladder. But we're trying to help the givers get to the top of the success ladder. And it's just interesting. When you start talking about giving and you just have an event, it's, I call it a shared learning event. Is it a networking event? Mm, not entirely, but does networking happen? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it a training event? Not entirely, but does training happen? Absolutely. It's just amazing what happens when you get together and you get multiple people together that are learning at the same time. There's an energy in the room that just explodes. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it just kind of caught fire. We've outgrown, I think, three or four locations now. It's a free, it, We started with free and we did get a couple of sponsors after a while. But it became, that's really become the passion because this event is just really the desire, the design of the the event is to, we want to change these live local events, in my opinion, can change the way business is done in our community in a positive manner. And and so it's been fun. So relationships were key and I wanted to teach other people how to build relationships and do it in a selfless way, not a self-serving way. So it's just been amazing. Well, the big thing is that that's the best way to do it. Like that's the, the problem is that most people will look at it and be like, well, I want to have an event that gets 200 and 250 people together every single month. How much money could I make off of that? Right. And then they go into it with that mindset. And then they like, uh, just, it, just try to outspend the work that they should have done to build it up. They're not thinking about value adds to other people. They're thinking about how, what can I get from it? Like, how can I possibly make this win for me? You know, you know, it is. And frankly, I had somebody say, well, are, you know, are you going to let your competitors come to this? And I'm like, yes. I said, if I, if I draw a line somewhere, then it's going to, then we're, it, it, that's not the intent of the event. Right. You know, and we've all heard it. I mean, Zig said, if you help enough, just help enough people get what they want, you can have everything you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a selfless mindset. Yep. It's been amazing. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Grant Cardone on the show. I don't know if you follow any of his stuff, yeah. but he is very much like an in-your-face, like marketer, salesman, like totally, totally in-your-face, kill the competition kind of a guy, right? So I was interviewing him and we we're talking about this. And his answer to this question was really, really intriguing to me because he said, he, like, he looked at me right, right in the eyes and he was like, look, man, competition is dead. That's a dead art. The future is collaboration. Yep. And I was like, man, like that's a concept that I've gotten from other people on the show. But hearing someone like Grant say that, that is, you would think would be the total opposite, right? You would think if like, if anybody's still in that like old school mindset of like compete, 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 don't help anybody, don't give my knowledge away. Like you'd think Grant would be that person, but he wasn't. And it was really, really stuck out to me. And so I've found that the most successful people that I've come in contact with are the people that view it that way. They're open to share ideas with their competitors. They're open to talk about what they're doing in their business that's working or to give business to other people that might be in direct competition with them. But the thing is, if you're on the other side of that, if you're still in that competition mindset, a lot of times scarcity comes with that, right? The scarcity mindset that there's not enough business to go around. So I have to scrape and scrap and take every single little bit and piece that I can possibly get my hands on. Whereas if you have the abundance mindset, than like what you're doing, Brian, like you're not worried that a competitor of yours, that a mortgage broker comes to your event and like meets a realtor there 
and you didn't monetize that transaction, it doesn't really matter to you because you added value to somebody else that they're going to keep in mind for later. And that psychological bias of reciprocity is definitely going to be in the equation at that point. But even if it doesn't work out and they're just a taker, who cares? Because you can get this person, this person, and this person to get a mortgage with you. Yeah. Right. Travis, you just nailed it, dude. <laughs> I mean, that encapsulates the scarcity. And I think anytime we get into the scarcity mindset, it just limits the possibilities. And yeah. just having that, imagine having this conversation, what you just said, imagine the light bulbs that go off in people's head when there's two, whether it's two people or whether it's 200 people in the room, that's what a shared learning event does. And I'm just telling you, there is a change in people's outlook. It changes the way they think, the way they feel and the way they act. And there's just a, an air of positivity and it's electric and it encourages people to take the next step to do the right thing and building for the long run. It encourages them to pick up a book they might not have picked up if they hadn't been at the event. Hmm. It's just, it's been an amazing journey. So yeah, yeah. really cool. Let me ask you this, Brian, this is a question I ask everybody that comes onto the show, who, you know, or what, you know, which one's more important and why, man, what's the title of your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, regardless of what the title of your podcast is, it's who you listen. If I had to pick, because we all know, generally speaking, this, and I, I can't speak to every profession, but generally speaking, whether it's real estate, mortgage, it's usually, we've all seen the individual who we know is not as competent as us mm -hmm. get business. Yep, exactly. So it's definitely not what you know to be successful. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to be competent. Yeah. But competence, you know, to me, when I'm looking for competence to me is at the core levels, like the electric company. When I turn on the light switch, the light better come on. Otherwise, they're incompetent. Mm -hmm. In the mortgage, I better be able to get the results that I'm saying, which is to, you know, to give a CEO experience, you know, consistent. Mm -hmm. I just want to give that CEO experience to everybody. But when it comes to, I'd rather, it, it would be who you know, because yeah. I can probably trace back probably 20% of my business over the last 10 years to two relationships. Mm. Yep. That's the biggest thing is what you were just talking about. That's why I always come back to the who, because there's somebody out there that's not as good at what you do as you are, but they make more money and do better because they had more connections, because yep. they knew more people, because more opportunities were in front of them and they seized those opportunities. They spent more of their time working on their who than they spent on their what. And like you said, there has to be a level of competence. You have to be competent, but you don't have to be the number one expert in the world on that certain topic, you know, and like, there's always going to be somebody better than you, but you can be the most well networked and be way more successful than the person who knows the most about it. And to me, that's evidenced in the people who teach this stuff, right? Like the professor who teaches mortgages at, you know, or teaches certifications programs or like teaches this and that, like they're on a 60, $70,000 a year salary. Yep. You know, they're obviously extremely knowledgeable about the subject, but yeah never did enough things. And I'm not bashing them at all. No. I'm just, like, I'm just saying that there's a clear line between the who you know, and the what you know, like, I've never seen somebody who knows everything and has zero connections do super well. But I have seen people that know not a lot of things, but have an insane amount of connections do super well, like way more often. Well, Travis, I don't know how you feel. But to me, I think the individuals, at least as, as I get into understanding influence. I think personal development plays a bigger role in your ability to influence others than anything else that I could imagine. Hmm. So I think the individuals, and I'm not saying there's not individuals, but I would just, you mentioned, I mean, look at the names that you've had on this show. I guarantee you, every one of them is an avid, is avidly developing personally challenging themselves. That to me has just been the key. So, you know, I'm a big Jim Rohn fan. I'm a little bit older than you. You may not even know who he is. So oh, no, Jim Rohn's I just, yeah, one of my go-tos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I'll probably butcher the quote, but he's like, you know, if you want to reach the things on the top shelf of life, you got to stand on the books you read. Hmm. And whether it's a book, honestly, podcast, I mean that you can learn so much from a podcast like this. I mean, just the ability to develop yourself because that's where you can add value to other people. And I always had this vision when I started the event, I thought, how cool would it be? Really? Who would I need to become rather than me calling on real estate agents that they're calling on me? What about financial advisors? What would it take for me to be a person that they would want to spend time with me versus me reach, having to reach out to them? Right. That's the purpose. This shared learning event has been my training for that because hmm. it forced me every month I had to show up 
having learned something that I thought the rest of the room might find some encouragement. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. If you want to learn something, teach it. Exactly. And I was forced. I'd put something on the third Thursday of every month and I had to show up and add value. Right. That's the whole birth of this entire podcast, man, is like, I've always known that uh, networking is like one of the most important skills to have. To me, if you know how to network and you know how to sell, you can do anything you want in life. And so I had spent five years knocking on doors as a door-to-door salesman, and I had sharpened that skill a lot, but I hadn't spent that much time sharpening my networking ability. So I started a show on networking, not really knowing anything about it, so that I could get to know the people that I've gotten to know on the show and ask them how to do it better. And now through 150 plus episodes now, like I can't help but naturally be better at it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean? Yeah. Oh, man, that is... That is a, be- I love that concept, Travis. That is so identical. You just chose to do the podcast route and yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, that is yeah. so cool. Well, cool, Brian. I mean, it sounds like me and you have a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in common and we could probably talk for another couple of hours, but we are running out of time. So let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Mm-hmm. What profession other than your own, do you think it would be fun to attempt? Well, if I were just going back in for the money, the one thing, financial services, one that I would have contemplated, but I am truthfully as the, uh, this mastermind event has gotten off and going. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. And this podcast is one of the ways that I try to do that since all of the content from the show is totally free. So when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways that I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, if you haven't done that, head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. And if you want some more free content from me, head over to three, that's three spelled out, three networking secrets.com to watch my free masterclass on the three best kept secrets to building the network of your dreams. I promise that you will not regret it. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.